Hello. My name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you. You're about to embark on a great journey. Let the new age of enlightenment begin. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea. A new world order. It's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. They have planned and are now leading us into a one-world communist government. Welcome useless eaters to the Odd Man Out podcast, where we talk about hidden history, depolitical policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the Odd Man. Welcome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in once again. This week, I have a special guest who I've really been wanting to talk to for quite a long time, and he is a fellow podcaster, and he's been in the game quite a bit longer than I have. I really uh, would implore you to check out his show. It's called The Jim Duke Perspective, and obviously, his name is Jim Duke. Hey, Jim. Hey, how's it going? How you doing? Hey man, how are you? Oh, great! It's a pleasure. Thank you very much for the invite. You know, it's a, it's it's a difficult or different to be on this side, because I, I, you know I tend to when when you're on the other side, you can basically uh, do what you want and you can edit later. But when you're on this side, you got to be a little sharper. And I'm not as confident of myself on this side. <laughs> I totally understand, man. I. When I'm on somebody else's show, I feel the same way. And people will say sometimes, you were awfully quiet on that show. And I'm like, <laughs> well, <laughs> I just didn't want to say anything out of turn. And, I'm, you know, if there's other guests, I try to, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to walk on something that they're going to say or trying to say. And, uh, but, yeah, I've been listening to your show now for probably two years, maybe a little more. Oh, you have? Uh, well, I appreciate that. You're very welcome. Uh, how long have you been doing this show? I've been doing podcasting for probably maybe six years. I had a, a startup podcast that I started with called Reports and Perspective that I, I meant to do this kind of forum first, but I ended up doing more of a news and I intended to get too political on that one. And that's not where I wanted, but I figured having a name like Reports, I had to bring up Reports and I was really un uh, I, I was unsatisfied with what I was doing. And I said, you know what, I got to start over and do it right this time. And I was searching for a name and I didn't, I, I, I liked a lot of names, but uh, somebody said, just use your own name because it's your perspective. And I said, well, I have guests too. And I don't want it to be about my perspective. I want it to be about the topics and the agendas and such. But they said, if you do that, you're hiding behind a name you know, why don't you put your own name out there and make it personable? 
and believe it or not, uh, I was reluctant. I didn't want to do that, but I went and did it anyway. And to tell you the truth, I still regret it. I really don't like it being my name because it's not about me per se, you know, but I was doing it uh, for a couple of years on that other, on the other name. And then probably four years ago, uh, I changed it over to Jim Duke perspective. Gotcha. Okay. Um, that's, uh, that's, I totally understand what you're saying there because people told me to do the same thing, but I was, you know, I've been trying to kind of keep my name out of the, you know, the, the, the podcasting and alternate alternative media world. I'm sure it's out there and some people know it, but uh, I totally get what you're saying, but uh, I really enjoy how you approach things. And also, you know, of course, being a Christian, I think that um, there's, there's a lot of Christian podcasters and researchers that don't get nearly as deep as you do. Uh, you know, they kind of, kind of expose things, but more surface level things. And um, I appreciate the fact that you're willing to go really deep. And uh, even sometimes it might be, a, you know, a little bit uncomfortable, say, talking about a subject like the Jesuits or something like that. And a lot of uh, other Christians wouldn't touch it. But I really appreciate you going that extra mile and doing the research and, and being brave enough to talk about those kinds of things. You know, it's really strange because, first of all, I've been doing this for years, not podcasting, but researching, getting uh, suspicious of things and analyzing conspiracies even before I was a Christian, but it didn't make sense until I became a Christian. And when I became a Christian, I, I had a different kind of empowerment. It was, it was from being just a simple truther, knowing things and being get uh, uh discretion using discretion to be a being a christian and knowing that part of truth is well most of truth is about the glory of jesus christ and to come to the knowledge of of a gospel of, of faith but also knowing the truth about what's going on so that you can basically rescue people from the deception so the empowerment of the holy spirit helps keep you on in line, but also gives you an armor that other people that don't have that don't understand. So when people tell me that, boy, you're bold to go different places, I don't even see why there's any reason to be afraid. Like, I, I'm not even thinking about that. Like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be afraid of. And it's not that I haven't been threatened, because I have. I've had some uh, even before I had, uh, when I was doing, I was doing uh, print stuff and I had letters sent to me anonymously by Congress people, obviously in Congress, because they were giving me some hints that, you know, lay off, lay back. And I said, oh, you want me to lay back? So this is a idle threat, right? This is a concealed threat. How about I do this? How about I expose you and share with people what you just wrote to me? So mm. not only do I get offended when they're threatening me, but it tends to rile me up and I get even more offensive, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Well, yeah. And, you know, you have some really cool guests on too. Um, people like, uh, of course, we were, we were talking off before we started the show about Gary Wayne, but uh, people like uh, Johnny Cerucci, who's a very controversial, but uh, a very interesting guy. Um, and I, you've really interviewed some 
great people. And I, I think that's another reason people should check out your show because uh, you can get a pretty wide ranging perspective on different things and especially uh, lesser like hidden history and the occult and those type of things. Well, what's interesting is I, I, I started doing this without the intentions of really having guests, even though I considered that I might. And some people use guests as a platform so that they can get themselves publicized. I don't because I read about some of these people and I learn about them first. And I say, hey, these will be people that I can glean off of or people that I can collaborate with or people that I can learn from. And uh, it becomes interesting to have their perspective added to what I had said, because it not only brings the audience a little bit of variety, but it also confirms things that I have said. And a lot of times we end up confirming things and then adding to it with each of our knowledge. And I've been fortunate that a lot of the guests that I have invited or that invited themselves on have been humble, hospitable, gracious, kind, and most of them teachable. You'd find that you'd think that these experts are guarded, like don't tread on my information. Don't think that you can threaten me and, uh, and, and come across like you're equal with me. And what I found is most of the guests that I have had on are like-minded fellow researchers that regard you as a peer, like a, a you know, a colleague. Right. And it's really interesting when they can say, hey, I never thought of that. Thank you very much. I, I got to look into that deeper. And you think that, you know, wow, I gave them something they didn't know about. But for the most part, they have done a lot of research and they go into areas, each one of these people, and I don't want to just single out anyone, but each one of these people have an area that they're more of an expertise on that they focus on. Me as a laid back collector, I call myself like a sponge, a collection of, of different views that I kind of sift through it and make my own conclusions out of it. So I gain from everybody's knowledge, but I connect it in the, maybe a different way or a different angle or a way that others can digest it in the way that I need to break it down. And I think that may be unique. I think so. I think so. And it is a great feeling. I'm just starting to learn that because I'm just starting to talk to other people on my show. But there is a really good feeling about talking to others, even if you don't agree on everything. You talk to these people, like you said, who are willing to learn and you can see that they're eager and, and honest in their quest to actually want to know the truth. And so they are willing to uh, have conversations and talk about ideas. And uh, I find that so refreshing, I guess you'd say, because we do live, you know, in a society, especially right now, where everything is so, you know, everyone's so divisive with their politics. And, uh, you know, we're being pushed to be divided by, the, of course, the media and the government and at every level, it seems like. And so to be able to come together with these people and exchange ideas is just a, it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, I'm sure that's one reason that a lot of people are being censored and kicked off of social media and YouTube and different things like that. They, you know, the powers that be don't want people coming together and, uh, you know, having these conversations and figuring out these things because, uh, you know, they'd like to keep us dumbed down like they kind of have been for, for decades 
I'm really looking forward to talking to other people. And uh, it, it seems like it's kind of a, kind of a tight knit community of uh, truthers or researchers or, you know, every, everybody kind of calls it, calls it something different like alternative media or whatever. But uh, it, seem, it seems like it's kind of a small group of people and um, those a lot of those people are willing to talk with you if you just, you know, have the guts to reach out to them. And that's, that's uh, inspiring. Yeah, it becomes a united force. And, and what's, what's different in this age than there was in the past is we had authors that we looked up to that we regarded their research. And I've known Fritz Springmeier uh, well before. And, uh, you know, you think that these people are untouchable, but with the internet, when you, when you got the, the Facebook and the Twitter and you have direct access, I mean, I was able to, uh, one of my favorite books of all time in, the, in, in this truther avenue is uh, Hidden da Dangers of the Rainbow by Constance Cumby. And I was really floored when I was able to actually connect with her and talk, you know, uh, correspond with her a little bit on email. It's like, wow, these people are, are touchable. And now with the internet, they actually are willing to, you know, you can message them. Some of these people, I got their phone numbers. We've, and, and what's great is some of these, the guests that I've had, we continue to stay in contact. We talk, we collaborate. If I have a question, I bring it forth. Some of these people, you know, Johnny Cerucci's sent me stuff and said, hey, take a look at this. And uh, um, other people, I've asked them questions like Gary Wayne and I uh, go back and forth sometimes on, on things that I've been posed. And I say, hey, what do you think of this? Could I be missing something here? He goes, I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, we should look into it. And then he'll say, no, no. In my research, I have found that this isn't true. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't see that either. So it gives you a confirming thing. Some of these people will actually come alongside of you. I had um, Ralph Epperson, uh, author of The New World Order. I haven't had him on my show or anything, but he came uh, uh, to my defense on, on, on Facebook and messaged me when I had, uh, I had an invite to, uh, I don't want to get into too much, but the History Channel invited me down out to California to do a segment, to do a clip. Uh, Prometheus, who does, they do with the productions for like ancient aliens and Oak, Oak Island. And I don't even know these shows today, but I, I went out there and he came alongside and gave me tips and coached me about what to look out for and, and how to present myself, make sure I got facts and go to their records, go to the original sources rather than going to people that have their own uh, opinions about the original sources. So I learned a lot from these people that, are actually will kind of mentor you a little bit. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I love uh, Ralph Epperson. Um, I've got his book, uh, Unseen Hand. It's been a while since I've read it, but uh, he had some fantastic information in that book and he was way, way ahead of his time. So that is really cool that uh, he was willing to do that. And, and I, I imagine, you know, that some of these guys have been doing this work for so long I'm sure in their careers come up against a lot of pushback and a lot of people calling them names, conspiracy theorists and, and much worse than that. And, uh, you know, a lot of us really respect them. We can see in hindsight that uh, many of them were correct on a lot of their work. And, uh, you know, they probably really appreciate us, you know, who are kind of carrying the torch for them because, you know, some of them are getting older and, uh, you know, we, we're just, we kind of like stand on their shoulders with the, you know, information that they've given to the world. But, um, 
an, another thing I wanted to ask you, I, I just was interested in kind of how you kind of, I hate to use the term woke, but um, how you kind of, what the process was, was there one scenario that kind of made you a long time ago realize that things weren't exactly the way we're told in school and on TV and by the news and the government? Uh, was there like one instance that kind of made you like kind of have your aha moment? Some people uh, had one of those moments like 9-11 woke a lot of people up. And uh, I guess after that, I don't know, the, the crash, the, the economic crash in 2008 and um, Before that, I, I don't know. But here's, <laughs> this is going to sound maybe crazy. I had kind of always had a suspicious mind about life. Even as a kid, my imagination was really like alert and curious. And I started thinking like things, even back when I was little, what if my parents were, and I didn't know any of the terms. I mean, you got to think about, you know, I'm 56 years old, almost 56 years old. So 50 years ago, or, you know, whatever, thinking that what if my parents were switched with some kind of clone of some kind, and they're not really my parents. And it played on my mind to kind of be alert to things, but I knew it wasn't true. I, at least I don't think so. <laughs> but, uh, you know, these things played on my mind to always be curious and questioned. So, but then, then little hints in society, I was kind of alert to like when, I don't know how old you are, but when the Procter and Gamble suspicions came out, where they were talking that they were using occult symbols. I, here, I'm a little, I'm a youngster here, here, and I started seeing kind of this kind of stuff. And it, it kind of, it gave me more of an alertness that these things were out there. And then the question government to know that there has to be some kind of oligarchy out there that controls things. Because how, you know, Everything seems questionable in politics and government. And then I came across the ideas of, of a new world order. I heard about the new world order. I think I was in high school and junior high, maybe, or uh, senior high, whatever. And I started hearing about the new world order. So I started kind of looking for hints for that. And I, I remember calling up politicians, calling up even people that I can get a hold of uh, uh, from Washington and saying, hey, do you know anything about the, a new world order? And they were basically laughing at me. Yeah, you know, the representatives laughed at me. You know, oh, kid, go away. You don't even know. It. There's no new world order. But then I'd, I'd switch the, the TV over to like PBS, public broadcasting, and they were showing news from the BBC. And they were talking about the new world order. I was like, wait a minute. Our government, my, my politicians are telling me there's no such thing as a new world order, and they're announcing it on the BBC. What's going on here? And then it really floored me in, two, in, in get this, September 11th, 1990, when George H.W. Bush looked into the camera and he says, we're forged before us a new world order, and he started talking about it. I said, there it is. Oh, my gosh. I'm not crazy. 
So I wasn't a believer then, but I had an inkling to truth. However, when I became a Christian, and this came, I mean, I got a testimony for that, but I won't go into it if you don't need to right now. But um, when I started, when I received Christ, in, you know, as my Lord and Savior, accepted him, the Bible opened up more avenues, making more dots, connecting more dots. And I no longer saw Lucifer as something mysterious. I saw who he was, almost like the curtain's been pulled out. And now I can see. Um, I, I do have to backtrack. I did start dabbling in the occult. So I did start to learn the dark sciences a little bit. And it gave me an insight to how that works. And when I became a Christian, I denounced all that stuff. But it was almost like now you can't pull the wool over my eyes. I know how it operates. I know how the dark side operates. I know how the demons work. I know how the magic energy operates and how it deceives because I was using it. And at that time, when I accepted Christ, I got an attack. I got a spiritual attack. And I started hearing the strong voice saying, you can't escape. It's, it's all around you. I own everything. I control everything. This is my system. Like, who, who is this? What is this? And subtly in the back of my head, in, in deep, deep back, there was a small voice, a still small voice that said, this is a test. Just stand. You'll get through. And I realized this is a spiritual battle. And at that point, I realized Satan, if you're true and you think that you have this in your hand, but yet you haven't dominated, there must be a resisting force against you. Therefore, you prove to me God. You reinforce God to me. And it basically backfired on him. And that's kind of why I don't have that fear, because he revealed himself. That's fantastic, man. That's great. You know, my pastor said uh, just a couple of weeks ago, maybe actually probably about a month ago, uh, you know, they was talking about the COVID-19 fiasco. And he said, you know, God didn't create us to, to live in fear of the world. He didn't create us to live in fear of COVID-19. He said, you know, God knew, Jesus knew that we would have this COVID-19 and all the things that are going along with it. So you don't have to cower in fear and let it paralyze you. And uh, I think that's a great way to, to live as a believer, knowing that uh, you don't have to succumb to that fear because it is crippling people all around us. And uh, I think that's what it's meant to do. Uh, you know, all the uh, propaganda and things that are surrounding it. And uh, if you don't have some kind of foundation of faith, it can really overtake you and control you. I think we're seeing that in society right now. There's a, um, uh, yeah, th there's a, there's an operation called Alice in Wonderland. And I don't know exactly about it. It's just a couple people alerted me to it. And it's about confusion and chaos that cripples the citizens or the, the target in, the, in that case. So that, they're basically baffled and don't know what to believe or what what is, you know, who to trust. 
and it causes them to basically just surrender and follow the agenda. And, you know, like you mentioned about the fear, Second Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And this is why people ask me, why do you get into this stuff? Why do you know this stuff? Well, first of all, it's hard not to. I can't not do it. It's like knowing something and not and and trying to and trying to forget that you do know it and, and you can't go back once you, once you're opened uh it's kind of like the matrix I, I i use the matrix movie as an example the first one not the second and third they're garbage the, but the first one it's almost like you can't go back to to thinking that you can go back in and, and enjoy it like you used to because you know what's behind the veil you know the little wizard of oz guy behind the veil who's controlling the buttons and it's and it's no longer you can go back. So now your role is basically to help them, help others see it and help to break down the deception. And sometimes you have to break it down bit by bit. And that's why I go over topics over and over again. First of all, so I can coherently explain it because there's so many facets to it. It, it. You can't explain it in one sitting. But secondly, because one person may see it this way but not get what you're saying this way and you have to kind of feed it in different angles or different directions and make different applications so they can understand it and you're trying to break down their cognitive dissonance which is a fancy word for saying their uh, brain triggering denial that causes them a paradigm shift that's uncomfortable you try to break break it down a little bit so that they can see it and then once they see it, they're not given into that deception, even though you're still here. Like people say, well, what can you do about it? Well, maybe nothing. But the thing is, is to know about it. I'd rather, get, I'd rather get hit in the head seeing it coming than being put a sack over my head and blindsided and smacked from behind. So by taking it on straight ahead, you know it's coming and you know what their goal is and you know what, what they're doing to you. And it's not as scary. Plus, if you're in Christ, you have the weapons to break free from it and not be bound to it. So the first step is getting them to see the truth. But even seeing the truth, I, tell, I say this a lot on my show. If you're a truther, and there's a lot of truthers out there. I know there's atheists out there. There's pagans out there. There's New Agers out there. Luciferians even that think Lucifer is a good God. Uh, that are alert to what's going on, aware of the truther movement. And they're truthers. And they're against the dark side. They're against the dark Luciferians. They're against the elite. But that alone is only going to make you aware. It's not going to save your soul. So if you have that and you don't have a redemption from the separation from God that, that God created you for to, to be united with, if you don't have that Redeemer, Jesus Christ, in any language or any culture, it's not exclusive, then you are basically have the truth, but you don't have a security and you don't have eternal life. And you're going to perish with that knowledge. And it's unfortunate. So it's twofold, getting them to see the truth, but also getting them to be spared from the hold that, they, that, that Lucifer in this world has on their eternal life. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I've noticed too is, um, you know, people, um, a lot in a lot of Christians, they 
they would never delve into occult beliefs, new age beliefs, and these pagan doctrines and whatnot. They would be afraid to, and they don't quite understand why people like us w would do that. But if you don't know the enemy, you may not recognize he's right in your face and, and tempting you and, and propagandizing you all the time. And I, I think that's uh, very important that uh, we continue to kind of expose these things and show that, um, you know, the push for evil is very real. You can see it. And once your eyes are open to it, you, you wonder how you couldn't see it before, but it's everywhere. And it's in all facets of media and uh, entertainment, uh, sports, news, government. It's just, it's very important to know how they work and how they propagandize us, the techniques they use. And, and a lot of the people, you know, who think they're really woke um, to, to the, the plot for new world order and world government and things like that are also into this new age kind of spiritualism. And uh, they don't realize that the new world order these people that are pushing this are also into that type of spiritualism. Now, maybe the people, the regular people may have good intentions where these el elites, they're going to use those beliefs to try to pretend like we're going to have this fantastic brotherhood of mankind, but they have a hierarchy, you know, just like Alice Bailey taught. Uh, they very much have a hierarchy and it's not going to be this peace, love and harmony that they think it's going to be. It's not going to be, you know, everyone holding hands. It's going to be this Luciferian corporatism and technocracy. And um, I think a lot more people are starting to wake up to it. But if you don't realize, one thing I've noticed is a lot of people only see this, this push for, you know, globalism as a political and economic thing. And they're not aware that it's really a spiritual thing it's a spiritual battle that's one thing that i love about your show and the and the people you talk to because they point these kinds of things out and you talk about this yourself all the time and i think if you're not equipped with the ammunition to fight the enemy then it puts you in a really you know bad position and a lot of people don't realize that they're in that position unfortunately yeah, you mentioned a lot of things there. First of all, uh, I, there's, a, there's like four basic scriptures, maybe five, that I bring up. I, I, was, invited, I was invited to a, a, a fellowship uh, once, and I didn't realize that I was a guest speaker. <laughs> I just thought I was going to a fellowship. So I went there, and I guess it was a bunch of people in my area, it's close to my area, who listened to the, the podcast, and they had signs up, Jim Duke is here speaking and i said oh i'm the guest speaker i didn't realize that and all i had was a bible and they're like looking for you know charts and books and what's he going to speak on and they didn't realize that all this stuff's in the bible so i i basically started with second corinthians 4 and i started bringing up the god of this world has blinded the eyes from them of the glory of the gospel and I said, this is your whole premise for conspiracy. The God of this world, and he is a God, he's a small God, but he's a God of this world who's been given the boundaries and the, the dominion of this world has blinded the eyes of them that are here from the glory of the gospel. And that's his first and primary goal. 
And from there, the conspiracy rides out. And they're like, oh, my gosh, it's in the Bible. I said, well, yeah, you think I make this stuff up? You know? And, you know, Ephesians 6, 12 says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You talked about the, the hierarchy, and Alice Bailey wrote externalization of the hierarchy. Their hierarchy is different than our hierarchy, but their hierarchy actually follows suit with the principalities of the God of this world and his hierarchy. And the other scriptures I bring up is Isaiah 14, where in the, in the King James it says, O Lucifer, how you have fallen, uh, and you said, I will ascend above the stars, I will weaken the nations, I will sit on the throne of the Most High. Lucifer is the imagery, allegory name, Latin actually, for the Hebrew name Halel. And Halel is the shining enlightened one or the light bearer, and that's how we get Lucifer. He's a deceiver, but all these faiths, all these New Agers, all these religions believe that he is the giver of life, because in their ideology, in theosophy, he's the giver of life. And he means only to give you a false sense of security that you have a piece of the puzzle, a piece of the pie, if you put him on the throne. And he will bring you to a utopia. Now, there's New Agers that are truthers that believe there's a hierarchy, but they don't believe that the, they believe there's a lighter side like the good theosophists, but the dark theosophists, some call them the Thessians, and they got different names for them. Thessalites are there to corrupt the ways of this world. And, uh, and, and, and try to take over the dark side. But the truth is, is there is no light and dark side as far as theosophy or Lucifer's concerned. He's the deceiver through and through. And either you're deceived by him or you're not. And he is the enlightener, but a false enlightenment. Matter of fact, he's the false light. Second Corinthians uh, 11 tells us that he is he comes on as an angel of light satan does and lucifer is satan i believe that luciferians don't they believe satan is the corrupted imagery that that christians gave him uh meaning somebody else satan is the bad guy and lucifer is the good guy but lucifer is basically the latin for hellel which is the fallen one who has threatened and became the adversary against God to take over the throne of the world. And that adversary is the name they get Satan from. Satan is actually not even his name. Satan is his title or his, what he did. He's the adversary against God. That's what Satan means, Hasatan in Hebrew. So these, the people that are on the side of the truthers may know the truth, but they still are bound to the rulings and the principalities that Lucifer set out. It's just that he's deceiving them to go and go with the truth or conspiracy stuff because he knows that he's destroyed their soul in the end. And he don't care as long as he's got dominion over it. What ticks him off are those that have been rescued out that have become what we call the church, but church is a, a, a false name for the ecclesia the body of spiritual body of Christ that has come out 
and 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 united in the body uh, under Jesus, their unity is still in the world, even if they're truthers, and they're looking for, like Alice Bailey, the externalization of the hierarchy. They have a a principle called love is action, and some truthers believe that as long as you have love, you you are united. But that's not true because you can have love and be deceived of the truth. So you need the truth is also because Jesus said. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. What's that? The truth of the gospel, not the truth of flat earth, not the truth of, of, of new, new world order as much as we talk about it, but the truth that your soul has been bought or has been bound to this world. And it takes buying it back to be redeemed to rescue you from the binds of the God of this world. And that's why Jesus Christ was offered to the world through all cultures, not just through the West. We tend to think the West is really isolated. It's actually a Middle Eastern start of, of where, where it was introduced and it sprawled out to Asia, Asia Minor and China and, and all the uh, Africa and then the Western cultures like Europe and America. But it's a universal principle, but it's a universal redeemer person that you're sown into that has personally rescued you of your soul. Otherwise, you can know the truth and still be bound to the eternal destiny of the corruption of this world, of, of, of the perishing, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely, man. And 100% does. Um, yeah, it's and it, and it seems like that uh, the whole new age kind of, uh, you know, and that encompasses a lot of different belief systems, uh, you know, Freemasonry and like you said, Theosophy and the Lima and all that, all these different uh, types of, uh, you know, spiritual beliefs or whatever. But uh, it seems like the push for that stuff is, you know, it's hard. They're pushing it harder than ever in movies and music and TV and and uh, even sports, you see your, you know, your sporting heroes or whatever, uh, uh, you know, they're wearing the shirts with the all-seeing eye or they have the tattoos and they're making the different uh, Illuminati signs and stuff like that. It seems like do as thou wilt is being promoted. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people are, you know, like we were saying a few minutes ago, they're, they're not really in tune you know they don't know a lot about the occult and so they just see it as something silly or funny it's just a style to them uh, it's just like kind of um uh, you know like uh um, it's nostalgic it's fashionable that's what yeah. i like to say it's it's acceptable it's tolerant and it's it's basically an allegory see mm -hmm. this is what the occult did the occult's very crafty because they've been around. Somebody had recently asked me, how long have they been doing this? I said, since the garden. This goes back to the whole, if, if people want to, this is the other scripture I use. If people want to know where this came from, I take them right back to Genesis 3. The serpent, the serpent deceived man through Eve. And what he said was, you shall not surely die. So we offered her immortality. God knows that once you eat of the fruit, the forbidden fruit, that is, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. There he offered Gnosticism, and he offered power, and he offered them to be gods. That's the basis of all Gnosticism, 
new age, even paganism. I proved this in a show I just did, Gratitude in uh, Crisis. Uh, I prove out that new age is basically Satanism. Um, but the serpent is regarded in all these faiths as the giver of life and personified in Lucifer. And Lucifer is regarded in new age theosophy and all that as the giver, the light bearer, the giver, light giver, the enlightener. And all this stuff goes back to, it's, it's Gnosticism. And that's what breaks off into the secret societies, the false religions, and, and reincarnation, all based on Genesis 3. So the occult has been around, and then the forbidden knowledge. That's the fallen angels taught men the occult, the forbidden arts. And they use these arts to form systems. And that's when their boundary became their dominion became this world and they they were given there's there's 70 gods listed in the bible people don't realize this there's actually 70 gods that are given dominions over the world and when in nimrod in genesis 11 another scripture foundation that i use the tower of babel was the place of the birth of the mystery babylon and this was where the nations devo developed dispersed and princes proceeded over the nations and you could consider that these are spiritual prince, princes like in daniel when he had to fight the prince of persia but they were actually at one time we believe that they were actual entities they were deities that were were physically on the earth uh, in some form or another as kings and they took jurisdiction over over the world and it and Anybody bound to the world is basically bound to the flesh, bound to the corruptness of this world, and that's why they need a redeemer. But the occult had to conceal in circles, and that's why they formed secret societies. Secret societies wasn't because they claim it was to guard our reputation after the Christians tainted our, our, bad, our, our good reputation and made it bad. No, they had to conceal and guard their secrets because they had to form elite adept levels so they can form the, the, the network that they needed to form the oligarchy, or let's say this, the oligarchy formed the networks that they needed as laborers to form their, their goal, their agenda, the plan, or whatever you want to call it, for the New World Order, their one world government, under the jurisdiction of Lucifer. And gradually over time as they broke down societies and people and got them on board they could come out of hiding a little more and the whole essence of america and people don't like to hear this because a lot of christians were brought up with david barton as the you know this is a christian nation and david barton in my book is a is a shill hired by the evangelical narrative to bring a false narrative of america because I, I think you know about Manly P. Hall and Secret Destiny of America, that America was a Freemason plan to bring their hierarchy under a new world order with America as its headquarters as the new Atlantis, because they believe the Rosicrucians that America is the original place, the America, the, uh, the, the plume serpent nation, as the original site of Atlantis, and they want to revise it in unity as a utopia. And by merging, fusing Christianity with Gnosticism, 
and Freemasonry, they could better unveil themselves without suspicion. So they have, in this recent time, as it gradually went, and their Gnosticism, their occultism merged through the different avenues, through Christian circles, they now watered down Christianity to finally hinder their one resistance that they have to get through. Because every philosophy, people will say to me that they take the zeitgeist aspect of it. Uh, Christianity is based on paganism, is plagiarism of Horus and all that's a bunch of bunk. Hasn't been proven. It's only proven by these scholars that take their records from these false accusations and from Egyptian records that changed over time to coincide with their culture around them. And there, the, the aspect of uh, the, the, the church was a hindrance to them, which is why every one of these false philosophies have to incorporate Christianity somehow. Theosophy had to do it. Freemasonry had to do it. Rosicrucians do it. Knights Templar did it. Um, New Age does it, including atheism in some ways have to acknowledge somehow an uh, aspect of Christianity. They do it in an allegory of principles, like, oh, the Ten Commandments are great because we adopt them too. I mean, we don't adopt them, but we know them by nature. So they all have to confront Christianity in some way. But what better way to do it than to actually infiltrate it? And that's what theosophy planned to do in the 18, late 1800s with uh, uh, Helena Blavatsky. She wasn't so much on incorporating Christianity as she did fuse Christianity with Satanism, with Middle Eastern mysticism, with Satanism, with Luciferianism. But when Alice Bailey took theosophy, she did a service to them because she was able to fuse the allegory of Christianity and merge her new age into the church through charismatic avenues and such and to water down the gospel to make it a social gospel and now the unity is the unity in heart the unity in love not the unity in the in the spirit that's right and, and you know uh, she even alice bailey talked about how they would need to basically infiltrate the churches and uh, of course she was a part of the united nations with lucius trust and uh, I think they still take care of the U United Nations Library, and you have the um, the World Council of Churches that works right with the UN. The uh, Order of the Transfiguration, which is basically trying to you know meld all the the different Christian uh, sects into one religion, um, and the International Council of Community Churches. Um, it's just it goes on and on and. Um, they've done a pretty darn good job of infiltrating the church and, and watering it down, like you said, and, uh, and getting these new age teachings into it. And, um, it's, it's a real shame, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not really surprising. Uh, and, and again, it just goes back to people needing to know these things and know the tricks and the, and the history to be able to recognize it because a lot of people are in these churches and don't even know, that their church is full of these uh, new age teachings. And, you know, it's, it's very important that uh, people like us try to reach out to people in, in, in kind of uh, in a loving way, kind of uh, 
you know, educate them on this history and these teachings because they're not going to get it in most churches. They're not going to get it on TV, not from a Christian perspective. And they're not going to get it anywhere else, really. No, they're not. And that's why, you know, we're thankful for shows like ours because we do bring this out. I mean, the, 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 the truthers, the, the ones that aren't Christians, get a lot out of what we share because we share a lot of the agenda that's out there. And some of them get ticked off that we share the gospel uh, and that we take it from a Christian perspective, but they'll tolerate it and accept it because, you know, some have told me I don't put it in their face and I don't, I mean, I'm not sitting here on a, on a, on a platform, on a pulpit saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's up to you because I can't make that choice for you. All I can do is witness what I know, share it with you and hope you make the choices. I can try to urge you, but for the most part, um, the agenda is, is what we make them aware of because it's the catalyst that's used that is a common between us that they're also concerned with. But my avenue is once you know that, you still have to get through the barrier of the bounding of this earth that you're bound to and know that even if you know the truth but you're not saved, you're going to perish with the elite the same place they're going. And, um, you know, that's what I try to urge them, but you know, I can't make you do that. And I'm not going to sit here and, and, uh, and, and do a sermon telling you, you have to, because you have to make that choice for yourself. I can't make it for you. No one can proxy it for you. You can't be born into it. You can't have your relative, uh, associate you with it, but new agers and, and the rest of, um, people don't, that don't have this ideology as much as they know the truth of conspiracies, they still have a commonality that they have to identify where their maker is or who their soul is, is, is bought by. And, um, you know, there's still a choice to be made. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it really is a shame that so many, like, I'm sure that you've noticed this, but, a lot of people are just now waking up. You know, we've seen a lot of people kind of uh, start to realize over the last four years that things aren't really the way that they've been told. And unfortunately, a lot of people got kind of caught up with Q and, uh, you know, that had a new age, a real new age slant to it. But um, a lot of times, you know, when people first start to wake up to things not being quite the way they're told, they go just completely uh, in the nihilistic fashion, they just everything they ever that we've ever heard is a lie, you know, and and uh, and they get caught up. It seems like so many of them eventually get caught up in the new age after that, and uh, I don't know why that is exactly, but um, yeah, it's interesting, uh, you know, because it's um, it's overwhelming, and we have a responsibility as well to like i said i spoon feed people sometimes but sometimes we go hardcore you know we go right for the guts of, of things and we overwhelm them we have a responsibility to use discretion when we do i get called out that i'm a shill because i held back information and i said i'm not holding back information because i'm afraid of t telling you or i or i have a boundary that i can't cross because my shill handlers told me not to that's what they tell me uh, no, sometimes we can only go so far because we don't want to overload anybody. 
because we, 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 we don't want to do what you just described. We don't want to send them forth into the, into the, the abyss of, of confusion where they're just going to grasp. I may as well just grasp on the new age because I don't know what to think here. And I don't trust Christianity because Christianity's I can't tell whether that's true or not. Uh, and, and new age seems like it, it's reasonable, a reasonable compromise. And I think that's sort of the, I don't want to say lesser of two evils, but the, the, the least resistance for them because the God of this world has made new age compatible for Christians or for people that are pseudo Christians that have a Christian concept by making a social gospel out of it or by making an allegory of Christianity. And they made it palatable. And I think that when people get fed up or confused or they don't know where to go, um, they, they tend to levitate towards new age. And that, that's a shame because that's another level that we have to break through to get them to see it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and I, I noticed, uh, and I'm sure you've seen this too, but uh, Isaac Weishaupt always talks about this on his show, how all these other belief systems have one thing in common, and that's that they're against Christianity. Not exactly Christianity, but they're against Christ. And um, even the Catholics, you know, they try to do everything they can, it seems like, to take emphasis off of Jesus. Uh, of course, you know, Judaism, they don't believe that Jesus was, you know, some of them don't even believe he was a prophet or anything like that. But um, it's just all these other religions and belief systems, that's their one commonality. And uh, it's it's never been as evident as it is now because it's out in the open with so many people. Uh, with We're online all the time and we have that influence and people can communicate and then, of course, you know, as I've mentioned several times, the entertainment that's in our faces all the time. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's a battle. It's a spiritual battle. And I mention this book a lot, and people are probably going to be like, ah, oh, here he goes again. But um, I ran across this book called Freemasonry and Catholicism by a Rosicrucian named Max Heindel. And um, he just says in there plainly that they believe the world's in a battle for mankind ever since uh, Cain killed Abel and then Cain was banished and Cain has been battling his brother Seth or the two bloodlines or lineages have been uh, battling each other throughout history ever since. So you had the, uh, the Cain line, which is the warrior class makers, uh, you know, the inventors, that type. And then you have the, uh, the, the Seth class, which are the priestly class, the shepherd class. And so they teach that uh, Cain's lineage is the sons of fire and uh, Seth's is the sons of water. And uh, they believe that Cain's lineage will win. And he says plainly in that book that they do believe that. And uh, he's talking about Rosicrucians and Freemasons. And I'm sure a lot of other occult beliefs do believe similar things. So it's very important for people to realize there, even if you're not a Christian, you're listening to this. There is a spiritual battle for the soul of mankind and not, maybe not everybody believes exactly like the Rosicrucians and Freemasons, but there are a lot of people that do have similar beliefs like that. And it's just, you know, it's time to start waking up because you can see it. You can see it around 
the world with the great reset and, and the, the new normal, everything they're pushing. And even though they say it's for good, they've got this, you know, kind of hippie equality uh, vibe going with it. That's the reason they say they're doing it. It's always for the greater good. It's always for the children. It is also for making them more powerful, consolidating power. And they're not going to try to make you equal without also making you give up your freedom and let, and they want control of everything from the cradle to the grave. It's interesting. You mentioned a lot there, the whole aspect of what they're doing. And you did mention about how they're uh, being more obvious today. It's because they could be more confident coming out because they've been more recognized and more acceptable, which is part of the programming that they had to go through and, uh, and, and, and be influential in all aspects, all sectors. And they're narrowing the narrative, no matter what you believe, to come to the same conclusion that they have the solution. So their aspect is through the secret societies, through the different ideologies of the secret societies, to sort of tame or handle, you might say, that sector that they're assigned to in order to converge them into the narrow thinking that this is necessary for all the different, I mean, Christians have a handler just as much as the Freemasons have a handler, just as much as the Jews have a hand, have a handler and the Catholics have a handler in order to bring them to the same aspect, even though they seem to be rivaling at the time and they are, but there's an oligarchy and I don't even mean the bankers because the banker international bankers are known as, a, as an oligarchy, but I'm saying a spiritual covering that is guiding all this spiritually with, I believe the spirit of Lucifer or the spirit of Hillel directing them to do this convergence and to be as palatable, as I mentioned for every sector. And uh, it's interesting how Freemasonry and, and what you say? Freemasonry and Catholic Catholicism? Is that? Yeah. Freemasonry and Catholicism. And it's, it's, it's crazy how Freemasonry and Catholicism were rivals. You could not be a Catholic in the Freemasonry. However, when you look at their library and their, uh, uh, their headquarters, they have bishops, cardinals, and such who were Masons. So it was a big cover. But on the Obvious on the uh, public side, they had, or public side of the secret societies, they have had a rivalry. And Catholicism at Vatican II under the Jesuits made a pact to reorganize and, and re recognize the Freemasons as they did with Protestantism, Christianity, and other sects of, of, of sectors of branches of, of, of religions and Christianity. And uh, they made a pact to be ecumenical. And there was this meeting under the Pope where he had all sectors of, of all denominations of Christianity. I'm saying from the Southern Baptists to the, to the Missouri Synod, Lutherans, to the Charismatics representatives coming before the Pope to give their allegiance. And this tells me that they've, finally kind of coincided the religions. 
but they have to do it with the ideologies as well. So politically, the way to do that is you bring a crisis into society. You basically hinder the society so that it's chaotic, and then you bring them to the order that you desire. It's ordo ad, ad chaos. That's what the Freemason motto is. And the Rosicrucians had a way of merging Christianity with Freemasonry, because I believe that the Rosicrucians are the higher order of Freemasons. I mean, above, above them, they're all, they're, I consider them like the gatekeeper, the priesthood gatekeeper for the Illuminati, if that makes sense. And they're the pure lines of, of Illuminati who, who guard who gets higher or not. And they sort of are the ones that are reinforcing the societies or collaborating the societies. They're still rogue. I mean, the Jesuits are out there. But remember, people don't understand this. The Jesuits were not created by the crypto Jews, as, as we're told, because Ignatius was a Jew. Um, through some of our, our research uh, collaborations with other people, we've determined that the Jesuits were sponsored by the Rosicrucians and by the House of Borgio, um, of, of Roman black nobility, you want to call it, the Italian nobilities, to create a placeholder for the Knights Templar when they banned this band. And they have the same ideology as the Knights Templar. They basically spit on the cross of Christ. So they don't really like Jesus Christ, but they will pose as a cover because the Jesuits have a motto. We, we don't really surrender to anyone, but we will guise as a Jew to the Jew. We will guise as a Protestant to the Protestant. We will guise as a Christian to the Christian. They don't care. They will infiltrate, and they will bring everything to a convergence. So as they've done this and they've conditioned society, they've taken down their main opposition, which is Christianity, except for true Christianity. And I'm saying the people that have the spirit of recognition, the spirit of discernment to come out of this and, uh, and, and, and to fight it spiritually, that they can't handle. But they've done enough with the pseudo-surface Christianity to make that the face, just like Catholicism was once the face of Christianity. People, outsider, how many times have you gotten people that are New Age saying, um, uh, you're basically a Catholic? I'm like, no, no, we're Christians. Oh, yeah, but they came from Catholicism. No, Catholicism has really nothing to do with our faith. And they, they bring the two together. And if, as long as they can bring this perce uh, perception, this false perception together, they can bring a, an allegory, surface faith, and bring the sectors of society all corresponding, because you could politically bring uh, compatibility with Christianity. You can politically, or, you know, you can, you, you can bring the sectors together as long as they're not true. So true Christianity is really the only rival to this, not surface, evangelical, mainstream, ecumenical Christianity, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, for sure. Yeah, and it's, uh, they're really the only, I mean, we are really the only ones holding back, pushing back against this, you know, new world order, globalism, uh, a great reset that's going to happen, uh, happening under, under it. You know, this plan 
you know, people don't realize that this plan, I mean, in, in modern times, it goes back over a hundred years of it. It really goes back, you know, several thousand years, but um, people don't realize that uh, the Jesuits, you know, cause most people don't even know what a Jesuit is. You know, I didn't until a few years ago, but uh, they don't realize how influential they are and how much influence and power they have over higher education and um, you know a lot of people that are Jesuits have been very powerful people they went on to be very powerful after their Jesuit education so and we could do a whole nother show on that I mean, it would be fantastic but uh, I guess we're getting, we're coming up to the end but man this has been a fantastic show even better than I thought and I know people I know my listeners are gonna love it and uh, and they're gonna love your show too, man. Would you mind check, uh, just kind of giving us um, your links and, and where we can find your show? The easiest way is just my, my website, jimdukeperspective.com, not with an S, it's not perspectives. I only have one perspective. jimdukeperspective.com or jimduke.us, you can get there as well. That's my main website and you can get to all the links and everything on how to uh, listen to the podcast and uh my articles are there and how to connect with me i'm on twitter as duke perspective i'm on facebook uh i'm between the the gay jim duke and the botanist jim duke but the botanist died recently so i only have one rival now uh but look for my picture <laughs> and, and look for you know i had the links on my website i have a patreon page also jim duke perspective but everything can be reached by that and uh and that's that'll that'll bring you where you need to go to connect with me and, and listen to the podcast and such, but I'm on all the apps. So you can go to anyone and type in Jim Duke perspective. Fantastic. Well, I'll definitely post all your links in the show notes. And I want to thank you again for coming on. It's just been fantastic, man. Well, thanks for having me. I hope I, I served you what you, what you hoped for. I'm, I'm never sure if this, that's the angle we wanted to go into. Cause like I said, there's so many different angles. We could have went a different way. We could have, you know, uh, tagged on the new world order and gone to the history of the new world order itself uh, by covering like a, a overview like this. I think we covered a little bit of a, of a, a primer, I guess they call it. And, you know, people understood where we come from a little bit more, I guess. Absolutely. I think the people are going to really appreciate this and uh, they're, I think they'll learn a lot and, and I think it's going to you know, push people to be more inquisitive about what's going on. I just suggest they go and listen to your show. Start from the bottom, go up. And if you see any certain show subjects, check those out. But uh, this has been awesome, man. Just hang tight there. I'm, I'm going to stop recording and then uh, we'll talk for just a second after the show. Okay. And there you have it, my show with Jim Duke. We talked about 10 minutes before the show, and then about 45 minutes after the show. We really hit it off, and uh, I hope that we'll be working together again in the near future. It's great to make contacts like that with people who are like-minded, because there are, there's so much censorship right now. And who knows when the, uh, the gates will start shutting and it'll be much harder to do podcasts with free and open dialogue. It's getting harder and harder all the time. So anyway, um, thank you. Please check out his links. And also, uh, remember my friend Stephanie in your prayers. Think about her. And if you can't afford it and you feel led to do so, 
Give a little bit of money to her GoFundMe, which will be in my show notes. She's having a really hard time. If you also feel led to do it, give me a good rating. Give me some stars. And I appreciate all your support as always, guys. Uh, also, I was on the Tinfoil Hat podcast, the main show, Monday. So check that out when it comes out. Maybe not my best showing, but those guys are a lot of fun. And I really appreciate them asking me to be on. It was an honor. Also, I've got more content coming. I've got two more interviews scheduled just this week. Uh, and I'm not going to have people on that I don't want on. I'm not going to put people on just to have content up. It's going to be people who are worth your time listening to, who are worth my time talking to, because I don't have to put anybody up I don't want to, right? Why? Why do it? So anyway, uh, so I've got Ken Ami, author Ken Ami from truefreethinker.com, and I've also got author Johnny Cerucci. He's the Jesuit ninja. He knows everything about the Jesuits, so I'm really looking forward to talking to both of those guys. And I will put those podcasts out as soon as I get them edited. So thank you once again for taking the time to listen, guys. I really appreciate it. And remember one thing, their order is not our order. See you guys. Come on and sing it with me. Mm-hmm.